Okay, now this thing is officially recording. Okay. Okay. Um, welcome, and uh, who are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me, Trey. Um, I'm Emma Langley. Mm-hmm. I live here in Richmond, mm-hmm. and I'm a professional cyclist for EF Education, TIBCO SVB. Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, and so I don't skip it. Uh, do you have a middle name? I do. I actually have two middle names. Okay. Um, so my full name is Emma Rose Barton Langley. My second middle name, Barton, is a family name. Okay. I guess Rose is a family name too. That's my great grandmother. But Barton is like everyone on my mom's side of the family has that as their second middle name. Ooh, so my mom and my brother and all of us have that as our. It's a, a family middle name. Yeah. I, I did not know that. Um, I wouldn't have known that. But either way, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's fairly. Uh, I mean, plenty of people have two middle names, but it's not as as common. Yeah, I've I've, I've known some people with two middle names, but not not one that's like family past. Yeah. Well. I'm a Marshall. Yeah, I guess never mind. No, I'm a Marshall. Either way. And that's a family middle it is, name? Yeah, it's mm. a family middle name. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's my dad's side of the family, but I guess so. Either way. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, so uh, clearly talk about the biking. Um, uh, How did you get started riding? Yeah, so I guess to go all the way back, mm-hmm. um, the start of my endurance career was as a swimmer. Okay. So I started swimming competitively in elementary school in fifth grade. And I did that all the way through high school. Was that your choice? It was. Yes, <laughs> it was. Get in the water. Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, my, my parents were, they never forced my brother and myself to do any sport, but they definitely wanted us to to try different sports just to see if that's what we wanted. We also did music and other extracurriculars, but sports were encouraged just to try them out. So I did a bunch of different sports. I did gymnastics, soccer. I think I did like softball, uh, tennis. Like we tried everything and I was pretty awful (laughs) at everything as well as didn't enjoy it except for swimming. I loved swimming. swimming. Young age, swimming, Um, swimming was working. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it started off with just like, competitive-ish swim lessons. Like I already knew how to swim, but it was like lap swimming. Okay. Um, And I loved that. And then the swim team coach came. So she was kind of like recruiting some of us to the swim team. So I was like, heck yeah, I want to do the swim team. Okay. Um, And yeah, I I really did love it. uh, I'll say I was never the most talented swimmer, but I did genuinely love it. And so I worked really hard um, and I was never, never top level, but Because I loved it, I was I was decent. You, you stuck with it, okay. yeah. Um, how where wait, wait, in age range here? This this competitive swimming. So I guess how old is fifth grade? Like, oh God. eleven, twelve. Yeah, eleven, twelve. That's what okay. I was gonna guess. Yeah, okay. So eleven, twelve until senior year of high school. So seventeen. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Um, yeah. um, okay. So competitive swimming. So competitive swimming was okay. my first first stint in my endurance sport career um and so through till senior year of high school was when you know like looking at colleges um and again since I was never like a top level swimmer Mm -hmm. I wasn't I wasn't getting recruited I wasn't looking at d1 programs or even really d3 like I maybe could have swam d3 but I I didn't want to I knew I was nearing the end so anyway long story short I was just looking at schools for academics okay I applied early decision to William and Mary okay. in Williamsburg got in and they're a d1 swim team okay so as soon as I got in that would have been the fall of my senior year mm-hmm. I was like all right I'm done swimming yeah. like I know I'm going to school I know I'm not swimming there um so time for something else but okay. I knew I didn't want to stop 
athletics just because I enjoyed it. Um, so that is when I started triathlon. Okay. Um, and it was actually my strength and conditioning coach for swimming who was a really avid triathlete. And he was like, you should, you should try it. Like a lot of triathletes kind of struggle with swimming the most and you're coming from a swim background. Um, and I also just would run like on the weekends with my dad. So I knew I quite enjoyed running too. Okay. Okay. Cool. So it was kind of those two pieces. Yeah. Two down. (laughs) Um, And so I started that, that winter. So senior year of high school triathlon training, like got my first bike, um, was still going to the pool, but you know, rather than going twice a day, six days a week, it was like two or three times a week, which I loved. I loved like scaling that back, um, doing some running and getting, getting truly introduced to the bike. I always rode around as a kid, like I had a mountain bike that we'd ride around the neighborhood, um, like me and my friends, but got my first road bike, um, and kind of just went, went all in with triathlon training and okay. absolutely loved it. And that's what I did for most of college. So, um, and I know I said when I want to ask about details, that first no, bike, okay. was that a like drop bar bike or was that like a triathlon mm-hmm. bike? It was a, it was a drop bar road okay. bike. Yes. Okay. Um, so it would have been, it would have been pretty soon after that, that I got a TT bike okay. because that spring, so we're still senior year of high school, that that winter I started training that spring I did my first few triathlon races okay. um, and absolutely loved it. Like yeah. I thought it was the best thing ever <laughs> and it's pretty common to do it on a road bike, but okay. yeah, the, the TT bike triathlon bike is like where your, your more serious athletes are going to be racing on. So I think it would have been like maybe even that summer or, you know, sometime pretty soon after I got a okay. TT bike. Um, so then I had both bikes to train on and, and would race most triathlons on a TT bike. Okay. Um, so you picked up, did you feel like you picked up the cycling pretty well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even that first year, like I made a lot of improvement through the first few years mm-hmm. of my triathlon training, but for sure the bike was, I think like they'll rank your, each of your splits and you can see like compared to all the racers compared to your age group, like you can see how you did. And the bike was pretty consistently my strongest. Okay. Um, not the swimming funnily enough, even though that was kind of like where you came from. Yeah. Where I came from. Um, so yeah, it was really a combination of this, the bike, like being my strongest. And Mm -hmm. then, um, William and Mary didn't really have a triathlon club. Um, it was like a very, very small group of group of us. Um, so we kind of, would join forces with the cycling club because that okay. was a little more, um, had some more existent. people there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's actually how I got into my first few bike races. Okay. Um, at the, like my first ever bike race was the, so wait, when you, when you started like, I guess doing stuff with the cycling, did you, were they like, Hey, you should just try a race. Like, yeah, pretty much. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone was ever like, you know, you must do this race or like yeah. you're, you're silly for not doing it. It was yeah. more just like, we're doing, like, we're putting on this race. So, you like, come, on come and help out. Like, race if you want. So, I was like, okay, heck yeah, I'll race. Okay. Um, so, wait, okay. So, your triathlons, um, there's no drafting, right? You're correct. not supposed to draft. Correct. So, then you do a race. Like <laughs> Peloton, you know, moving in and out of groups. <laughs> yeah. Like, how'd that go, like, having to contend with other riders like in close proximity that first time yeah know? that's a great question um i crashed <laughs> <laughs> okay. which is maybe not a surprise to anyone when you yeah. phrase it like that um it was it was the end of the race so okay. you know when you're doing these collegiate races it was maybe like 20 miles okay. was, was the race so um i don't really remember 
you know, how most of the race went, but it was kind of a classic, like beginner race, mm-hmm. everyone going into the finish line, getting it's a little hairy. Hot, yeah. And, uh, I just remember being part of the massive pileup <laughs> of the finish. Um, okay. and I'm laughing cause I remember standing up and being like, all right, that was awesome. Like yeah. when's the next one, you know, unfazed. Uh, there were no injuries so, so yes thankfully thankfully yeah. no um, nothing too serious at least so first race uh doesn't end as planned um and but you're you, you're loving it. you're like this yeah. is awesome you want to do this again yeah so that was again just a, a road bike race but mm-hmm. this would have been freshman year of college okay. so i was still very much focused on triathlon okay. um so the bike racing was always just low pressure for fun like okay. f- for triathlon training mm-hmm. essentially like you know get some intensity in it was also just very much a social thing with mm-hmm. the with the cycling club so yeah. it was really just fun okay um something i did for fun and that complemented my triathlon training okay. um because i w- i did get quite serious about okay. the about the triathlon training okay. like i would go to a lot of the national races um okay. and really enjoyed that and was really competitive okay. so uh yeah that was still the focus for most of college okay um but again, so with, you know, the, the cycling club featuring in, in mm-hmm. you know, a big part of my, my college life. And then knowing that the biking was my strongest, it mm-hmm. was senior year of college that I decided like, all right, I think I'm done swimming and running. I want to drop those two sports yeah. and just, <clears throat> excuse me, see, see where I can go with, with the biking. Okay. Um, so senior year, you make a decision to go to, to dedicate to biking. Yeah. Um, what were you studying in school? I studied kinesiology. Kinesiology. Yeah. Okay. Um, what did you think you were, what'd you, what was the hope with kinesiology? Was there, was there a thought of like, you want to do a particular thing? Yeah. So a, a couple part answer to that question in school, okay. um, I was studying kinesiology, but had the master plan of graduating and moving out to Colorado and becoming a professional triathlete. <laughs> that was okay. my, that was my goal. That was my dream. I'll okay. say um, that's what I was like pretty seriously planning on doing. Um, okay. and kind of just figured, you know, like I'm passionate about exercise science. Mm-hmm. So this makes sense as a degree. Um, okay. William and Mary also being a liberal arts school, you know, you, you get a very well-rounded education. Okay. So, you know, I, I kind of felt like, all right, I'll major in this subject that I'm passionate about, but I'm going to graduate, you know, with okay. kind of a, a well-rounded education mm-hmm. and can take that other directions when I, when I want, okay. um, I did have a brief stint after graduating where I obviously didn't move out to Colorado to become a pro triathlete, but by then I'd already switched to cycling. But um, I thought I maybe wanted to go to physical therapy school because um, kinesiology is very much the pre-track to that. Um, So I was kind of thinking for a while the year after I graduated that I wanted to do that, but bike racing kind of got in the way of that. (laughs) So got in the way i don't know if that's the right word for that but um bike racing took precedent yes it was it was uh my it felt like more of my calling okay um so senior year you move to to you want to cycle more so yeah what what happens there like how do you how do you keep riding like what happens to your riding yeah so it's it's pretty cool that the usa cycling collegiate um structure is is pretty good in the sense that there's conferences so you do kind of a series of races with your conference so mm-hmm. William and Mary being in Virginia we were in the mid-Atlantic conference so all spring you have races almost every weekend that each school puts on I think okay. it's a little different now so this would have been uh 2016 2017 okay. when I was in college mm-hmm. um 
following the collegiate path, but there's still, it, it's still similar now where okay. there's conferences. So you race within the conference. Sometimes there's a little bit of mixing, like you travel a little further South mm-hmm. to race the, the Southeastern conference, that type of thing. And you'd have the regional championships and then the national championships. Okay. Um, so the, the collegiate national championships is, is pretty competitive. Like yeah. they're, I would say, and I think this is probably still the case now, like the top people, the, the men and women that are winning those races yeah. are very much like going to pro teams okay. if they're not already on a pro team. Yeah. Uh, Cause some of them are, um, okay. in college already. So I, I think junior year I went to nationals and, but senior year I went when it was my, uh, like full focus. Okay. Um, I actually crashed out of that race too. Okay. So that was, a uh, not an impressive result, but it was, um, it was cool that I kind of had that pathway because okay. um, I more or less every weekend of the spring could, could go to bike races yeah. um, and you travel around with a team, which is fun. And you make yeah. friends from other schools because you're seeing them every weekend to okay. race. Um, so you get a lot of experience that way too. And this is what you still William and Mary traveling. With yeah. Your, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, how does it feel like going to those, to the races? Like how, what's the farthest you traveled for the races there? Do you, do I you think know? it would have been like, West Virginia or okay. South Carolina, um, okay. you know, a good seven, eight hours would okay. have been just to, just to travel to would the, have race. Been the longest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're in college. So it's like, ah, oh, whatever. Just pile in the car and go. Right. And yeah. Less like... are going on. Things are going on that. Um, yeah. So you go to the races. Um, was there anywhere in particular where any races like you looked forward to? Like other than, I'm sure you enjoyed them all. Were there any like, I can't wait to, to race in Maryland or something like that? Like, yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think there were, um, like I remember I, and this is still true. I just love any mountainous race. Yeah. So we went out like Virginia tech holds a race in Blacksburg. So I remember that being fairly hilly. Um, some years it was, they'd either change the courses or some schools wouldn't quite be able to host a race. So mm-hmm. when you only have four years and for me, it was really like two seasons okay. of okay. junior and senior year oh, of right, racing. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. you don't get quite as much of like, Oh, I remember that race, you know, like each year this course is my favorite or, okay. or, or that, but, um, but mountain courses seem to yes. jump out to yeah, you. Yeah, okay. for sure. My favorite. Um, uh, okay. So, um, you finished college. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so what's, what happens next after you, you kind of finish school and, um, what happened to racing then? Yeah. So I graduated in 2017, mm-hmm. um, and moved to Richmond from Williamsburg. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the back of my mind at that point, I already was like dreaming about going pro one day, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that maybe even I knew, like I for sure want to do that. It was okay. just like, if I were ever to kind of reach that, like yeah. that would be awesome. But yeah. for now, that's not like what I'm going all in for okay. right after graduating. So okay. I got a job as a personal trainer okay. actually. Um, so I did that, but realized that. I'm not a saleswoman at all, which is like 90% of personal training and like 10% actually like workout programming and working with the clients. Um, so I knew pretty quickly that that was not my calling. Um, and I started working as a physical therapy technician. So that's essentially like an assistant to the physical therapist. Like you'll, you'll work with the PT with the, um, patient and they'll say, you know, like, can you please walk them through these exercises? You know, you make sure you're doing them right. You're kind of like the, 
the middle person between the okay. <laughs> the patient and the and the physical therapist. Okay. Um, but I loved that. Um, okay. So I started doing that, not really even knowing too much about it. It was more just like I knew from personal training that I liked working with the patients, okay. but I I didn't want the business side of it that personal training had. So I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll see what this. PT tech uh, gig is like so okay. yeah I did really enjoy it because that's more or less entirely focused on working with the patient there's okay. a bit of kind of like customer service element to that because okay. you know you're, you're dealing with all different types of people yeah um, but it wasn't until I started working as a tech that I started seriously considering PT school okay so I mentioned I had my Bachelor of Science in kinesiology mm-hmm. but um, pretty much all through college, I wasn't really thinking PT school. Um, okay. It wasn't until I started working in the field that I thought, okay, may, like maybe this actually is something I want to okay. do. This um, but and this is all quite a long story for a short period of time, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. right after school. But yeah. either way, I started um, essentially like taking prereq classes that mm-hmm. I didn't take in undergrad okay. because. A lot of the PT programs are extremely particular. For okay. example, you need to take biology from the biology department. So to get my Bachelor of Science in Kines, you take like the equivalent of that in the kinesiology department, but the um, the schools want to okay. see you take it from biology, the science from the department. Okay. Yeah. So there were quite a few of those classes that I hadn't taken because at the time in school I, I didn't, didn't need to. I didn't look into it because mm-hmm. I yeah I didn't need it for the to graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't think I wanted to go to PT school. So <laughs> that ended up being a somewhat expensive endeavor as well because I was still out of state. Um, so I grew up in Connecticut. Okay. Um, and so even though I was living in Williamsburg as a student, that doesn't okay. count as being a resident of oh, the state yeah, yet. yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I started taking all these prereqs, um, started studying for the GRE, like okay. all of these things you need to do to, to apply for the program. Yeah. Um, but it would have been that summer that I started doing just just local races, regional okay. races in the, I guess, really Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland kind of area. Okay. Um, I would say that was usually the furthest I would travel um, just to do, do bike race. races there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was just doing that on the weekends, like okay. go to work Monday through Friday and then get in the car and go drive to a bike race. Kind of like in college, but yeah. <laughs> like you're working during the week instead. How uh, was the, um, so you were, uh, how was the training at that point in time? I would just, yeah, I would kind of just fit it in, um, like either before or after work. Um, okay. I wasn't, as far as I can remember, you know, I wasn't doing crazy hours, okay. um, but it would be an hour or two before or after work. And that was like on your own, like your own plan or were you like, you had a coach? Uh, I had a coach. Yeah. So uh, he definitely deserves a shout out. James Peterson has been my coach since my triathlon days. Oh really? Okay. Um, Yeah. So we started working together. It was when I was in college and I would say the both of us can never like nail down the year like because it's been that long um it would have been, I'm going to say like 2015 we started working together um for, for triathlon and then when I switched to cycling, I, you know, I remember bringing it up to him and being like, oh, like, can you still coach me? Because I, I really enjoyed working with him. And yeah. he was like, yeah, sure. Like, that's fine. Okay. Um, nice. And I think even in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, all right, but he's a triathlon coach. So like maybe in a year or two, we'll need to figure mm-hmm. out switching if mm-hmm. I need to use a quote unquote cycle specific coach yeah. or something. You know, I didn't know. Um, but no, he, here we are out. like 
seven, eight years <laughs> later. It was, yeah, seven, we're eight, almost yeah. in 2023. So yeah. yeah, we've been working together a really long time. Nice. Um, and yeah, work working well. So why? Okay. Why switch? Um, uh, so yeah, so he was he was giving me. You're still you know, getting my, coached. Yeah, still so getting I was still getting coached. Weekend um, races. Yeah, weekend okay. races. Um, and I guess it's been a few years now that I I don't recall the exact timeline, but essentially I was yeah I was working going to these races. Um, you kind of work your way up, so you start as a, I guess since I was coming from the collegiate cycling, you you work your way up. Mm-hmm. A, similar way to like the equivalent of a cat four or five. So I was a collegiate C to begin with, and then you okay. work your way up to an A. Okay. Um, and that essentially translates to a category three, um, in okay. the open races. Okay. So I didn't start as a woman's category four or five. I started as a three okay. and then worked my way up to category one. Okay. Um, and then, so you can go to the, you know, the category one, two, three, uh, women's races. Um, and it's all through USA Cycling. And it's all through, yeah, USA all through USA Cycling. Okay. Uh, and so I kind of had these incremental goals. So like catting up to Category mm-hmm. 1 was a big goal. Okay. Um, and I think I did that. It was maybe across a season or two okay. um, that, you know, you work your way up just by accruing points, by yeah. doing well in the races. Um, but even once you're a category one, there's a lot of races that you can't participate in unless you're on what's called a domestic elite team. Okay. So you can't just go on your own to register for a race. Um, okay. Especially for like road races and stage races, which is what I knew I really loved. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the big criteriums, you can still go, um, regardless of whether you're like on a specific team. team. Okay. I could be um, <laughs> mis misciting that now. Um, some of those details might have changed, but okay. I uh, basically had to kind of find a ride to okay. a lot of these races, these okay. big races that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, so I did what's called guest riding. So you kind of just like send an email out to these teams and say, "Hey, like, do you, do you have a spot on your roster for this race?" Okay. Um, and sometimes this was through like just friends I'd made in the Peloton mm-hmm. from traveling to other races and they yeah. were on a domestic elite team that was doing this race. So they would either reach out to me or I would see that they were doing the race. Yeah. Um, so you kind of just send an email asking okay. <laughs> if you can, if and you I can essentially it. join their team for the weekend Okay. is kind of the idea. So you're not a, you're not a permanent team member, yeah. um, but you're, you're wearing their kit for the weekend to okay. participate in the race. Um, so I did that in 2019 was my first year doing, um, what's called like the pro road tour calendar. So that's a lot of these big races. Um, some of them are, are UCI classification, which is like top, top Mm -hmm. pro level. And then some of them are just have the, the pro road tour denotation. Um, but yeah, you, again, you can't just show up, show up. You have to be part of of a team. Yeah. You have to be part of a team. So how many different teams do you think you rode with? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I do remember, so in that season, 2019, I did like maybe five or six of the like really big races. Okay. And I'm pretty sure every single race I was with a different team. Yeah. <laughs> so five or six uh, different teams, um, which, you know, was, was awesome because you're like getting to experience all these all these different teams like yeah. ride with different people, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of tricky because bike racing is a team sport. Yeah. And so when you're just on the team for the weekend, that can be a little tough to, were they, I mean, 
clearly there's a knowledge of everyone knows how to ride. But like, was it completely like, did you know them at all? Like when you got on the team, did you know these people like either personally or like you'd ridden with them some? Most of them, yes. Okay. Um, there were some that it's an entirely composite team. So mm-hmm. everyone is coming from a different team okay, to race that weekend. Okay. Um, and so some of those teams, yeah, I, I think I maybe didn't know anyone okay. <laughs> on the team, but everyone's in the same boat right. for okay. the most part in, yeah. in that sense too. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're on a composite team or if you're guest riding, like you're maybe not, obviously you're going to try and get experience, go for a result, but mm-hmm. you know, no one's looking at your team to like be the, the top dog team. It's okay. maybe a little bit lower, uh, lower pressure (laughs) but yeah the 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 intent was just to be able to go to these big races to to get experience and and see you know how i stacked up against the pro teams that are showing up to to these races um so yeah that was that was 2019 Mm -hmm. like full year of going to all these different national races um and i did pretty well so even though again you're kind of bouncing around from these different teams it was um it was still a good season. Like okay. I had some, I had some breakthrough results at like Joe Martin stage race. So that's mm-hmm. a UCI stage race. Um, I think I got sixth overall. Um, okay. and I was riding with the Amy D foundation for that race. So, okay. um, they're a really cool organization that, um, their mission is to, you know, give women kind of a platform in the sport to, to get experience, to kind of, yeah, be, a, be a part of the, of the racing scene. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I had I had a good season. Okay. Um, 2019. In 2019, and that was when it, it was that season that I was thinking like, all right, I want to be a professional. Yeah. Like, that is my dream. That's my goal. Um, you know, I don't know if I can do it, but I want to try. Okay. Um, so I guess I I guess I should backtrack and say it would have been the end of 2018 that I actually stopped working full time. Okay. Um, so I had already at that point kind of decided that PT school was, was going to be on hold. Um, and I, I switched from working in person full time as a tech to a part-time remote job in a totally different field (laughs) as, um, as a writing tutor. So it was like reviewing essays for college students. (laughs) So totally, totally different field, but liberal arts education. Thank you. William Mary. I could, you know, I could do that. Um, okay. and that was entirely remote. Okay. So 2018, you stopped full-time work. Stop. Yeah. It um, would have been, yeah. I think like maybe that winter Okay. Of 2018. Um, you decide to delay PT school. Yep. Um, and, um, take on this, uh, remote job yeah. that you can do anywhere. Yeah. Um, so that you can focus more on the racing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's how I was able to do such a such an extensive calendar in okay. 2019 because I could, you know, you the these, time. yeah, these stage races, you, they'll take up a whole week because yeah. you have to travel out there. Yeah. You race starting either Wednesday or Thursday until Sunday. And then you got to travel back again. So yeah, they, they, they take a lot. Um, there, there are people that do it with a full-time job and like kudos to them. Uh, you maybe yeah. couldn't do quite as many races as I like was able to <laughs> cram right. in yeah. to that year. Um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of an important detail on the journey too, was that switch. Right. Um, yeah. You did free up some time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Free up some time and, uh, yeah, be able to work from anywhere to go, to go and do that. Um, did you enjoy being the writing tutor? Or was it like, I did. Okay. I was, um, it was 
more challenging than I thought it would be because it was really relaxed. Like there were no hours that I had to log mm-hmm. in and work. It was kind of just like a work when you can. It's it definitely wasn't designed to be like a a primary job for anyone. Okay. I remember even when I was like interviewing, they were saying, you know, that a lot of teachers, for example, would do it just to either in the summer when yeah. they had some free time on the weekends, like make a little extra money, log a few extra mm-hmm. hours. Um so again that that flexibility was awesome yeah um and i'm generally a very like you know organized motivated (laughs) person um but the complete lack of structure was much more of a challenge than i anticipated yeah um because despite being very organized and motivated Mm -hmm. i also don't like just sitting at a computer (laughs) which is what that job was Mm -hmm. um so it it ended up being like you know i'd work an hour here or there and then Mm -hmm. go ride and then you come back and try to work another hour or two yeah um which sounds awesome, and right. and it was, you know, when it's mm-hmm. all said and done, like a pretty good setup. Yeah. Um, but more challenging than I thought right. it would be. Unstructured, um, and I, I yeah. yeah, I know some people just can't deal with the unstructured. Like, give me some parameters. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, clearly, I know we're we're working our way into to the pro life, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> um, what are you riding at this point? What bike are you on? Ooh, um... This is, this is 2018 going into 2019. Yeah, I would have been on a BMC. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone listening to this who's really into bikes is going to be like, ah, how do you not know this? But I, I don't remember the name of it. It was like the, the you, team machine, maybe? Maybe that's yeah, it is team. It was a road bike, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, team machine is the name of which I, it sounds Of weird, a road yeah, bike? Yeah, it's... Because their, yeah, their TT yeah. bike is called has the machine in the name maybe too um it's a team machine yeah team machine because I, I remember looking at a bmc yeah it's a team machine yeah is the name okay. of one of their, their road one of their bikes, road yeah. bikes. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it was nice i remember i got it um like on ebay or something but really? it was wow. like yeah so i got a good deal but it was like for that year their highest okay uh, frame nice. okay like drace and everything it was really? yeah i was yeah, um, I, was, I was decked out. <laughs> I still I had all the equipment already. Yeah. Um, electronic shifting? Uh, no. No electronic no, shifting? No, no electronic okay. shifting. Do you use electronic shifting? I do. Okay. Yes. So okay. it would have been the bike after that that I got electronic shifting. That I remember was a tarmac. Okay. Um, and yeah, once I, I remember saying like, I love this. But now it means I can never go back to mechanical. Yeah. Like once you make the switch, I think it's I think it's impossible to go back. Like I yeah. love I love the electronic shifting now. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was just curious. It's yeah. Particularly as a, as a, okay. Yeah. Um, well, and that's a good point too because a lot of what's difficult about kind of breaking into pro cycling mm-hmm. is you you almost need all the nice equipment and you need to somehow be able to travel to all these races. Yeah. Bef- before before you have the team to support yeah. you to do that. Um, so yeah, I was pretty lucky that, that I got that bike at a deal and I had nice equipment, um, and I had this flexible job to be able to travel. Which is a leap of, is a leap of faith. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Huge leap of faith. So I'm I'm glad that that worked out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, As am I. You know, I don't know if I can give up work just yet, but, um, so, but you're, um, okay. So, um, uh, you scale back the work to do more riding, more racing. Yes. Clarify. Yeah. Um, and then that's 2019. Yeah. Where 2018, you scale back on the work. 2019, you're racing composite teams, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're doing well in those races, 2019. Yeah. Um, and how do we how do we go from there? Yeah. Okay. So it would have been after that season that I started 
applying to pro okay. teams. And I literally mean apply, like you apply like any other job. You have a resume yeah, um, and you kind of piece together, like you, you network to get the emails of the teams and this and that. Yeah. Um, and you send your resume and, you know, if, I, I remember being pretty, I was trying to be as proactive as possible where even in the spring, yeah. you know, once I got a result or two, I had, I had my resume, I was sending it out and you know, you're, you're asking if you can go talk to the directors at the races, which yeah. I hated. I found that so nerve wracking because <laughs> it's, it's like an informal interview. Like yeah. even if you're just going to quote unquote, say hi, it's yeah. a, it's an interview of sorts. They're, yeah. you know, going to be kind of scoping out your personality, watching you race. Um, but yeah, so, so in that sense of having a resume and, having a, an interview, Mm -hmm. um, with the different teams is it's like applying for any other job. Um, and so I remember emailing probably all of the American pro teams at the time, which was more than it is now. It still wasn't too many. It was, I'm thinking maybe that was like four or five teams that I reached out to. Um, and there were a few of them that I think almost everyone responded. Um, and there were a few, interview calls that okay. I then had. Okay. Um, but ultimately I didn't get a contract. So okay. I had these results that I thought were pretty good, but I, there was a team that folded that okay. year. Um, okay. so there already weren't too many teams and then yeah. one is off. Right. So that means that Fewer. the riders that are already ex- uh, current right. professionals now right. need a now team and, yeah. and they of course have the experience that I didn't have mm-hmm. since they'd ridden for pro teams. Um, so I know that definitely didn't help. Um, but yeah, ultimately I think it was, I still didn't quite have the experience. My results were okay, but I, I didn't get a contract. Okay. Um, and I think I don't have, I don't have an answer to like exactly why I, I pushed through, but I think I just, I knew I really loved racing i knew that at that point after those results that i had what it took to become a professional so i wasn't ready to give up at least not yet so i think i thought like all right i'll do another year of the you know the guest riding composite team Mm -hmm. thing and apply to teams again and if it doesn't work out then i'll reevaluate um yeah but so now that's going into 2020 which was of course the start of the pandemic not a great year. So yeah. I think I did, I think I did one race. I think I did a race in February or beginning of March before okay. everything was shut down. Okay. Um, but it wasn't any, like, I don't recall having like a particularly good result or anything. Okay. Um, I just, yeah. You were, um, you did the race. I yeah. just, I did a race, but like everyone else then didn't have a yeah. season. Yeah. Um, and so I remember just kind of training and of course we didn't know it was kind yeah. of like every week, every month was like, all right, maybe things will start up again. Like we'll see <laughs> now looking back. It's like, yeah. yeah, everything was shut down for the year. Like it yeah. was, it was done. Yeah, but, was um, I, uh, yeah, I just, I was, I was training, um, and I was emailing teams still. Okay. So it was, the pro teams did start racing again because in Europe, I remember by this yeah. like mm-hmm. late summer there mm-hmm. were races. Yeah. Um, but obviously, since I wasn't on a pro team, it was almost like no right. one was expecting me to race. They weren't like, "Oh, what are you doing?" It was like, "Yeah, things are shut down, but like yeah. I'm still here. I'm still training. I'm still interested." Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't say exactly why, but I I was still just relying on my results from 2019, mm-hmm. and I was. Um, emailing Tibco and, mm-hmm. and got a call again okay. with, uh, with the management. And I guess, I guess really just the stars aligned and I did get a contract okay. that year. Um, which I really just feel so lucky that that worked out because yeah. again, 
I didn't have a race season in 2020. And so looking back, I very easily could have gone another year without getting a contract. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, I I don't know what that reevaluation would have looked like. Um, so, uh, yeah, I did, I did get a contract, um, nice. to race for them starting in 2021. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. how was that? Like you, did they just like call you back or was it like, and like, Hey, we like you on the team. Like, I remember it being a pretty long process. So you okay. have several calls because you'll talk to, and you know, every team might do it slightly differently, sure. but mm-hmm. with, with Tibco, you have a call with the director, a call with the owner, um, mm-hmm. and then maybe a follow-up call, <laughs> um, you know, if you kind of pass like the quote unquote first round, mm-hmm. um, you have another call. And then, um, I received the offer over the phone, um, but was also talking to other teams. Okay. Um, right. so I remember it actually being a bit stressful because I had two offers to juggle, which was like totally not what you'd expect after yeah. a yeah, season of not thing. racing. Right. Not yeah. Um, I will say, I think the pandemic kind of changed a lot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe different riders going, going elsewhere, who knows, but, okay. um, Yeah, I remember it being like quite a long process because you have these calls and then wait and then you have another call and then you just have to wait like weeks sometimes. So I probably would have started talking to them in like August or September Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't until I want to say early November um, that I got an official offer. Okay. So it was it was pretty extensive, pretty stressful because you know you're it's getting to the end of the year and you're like, all right, I don't I don't know what next year's gonna look like. Just kind of. Just kind of waiting and keeping your fingers crossed. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but I would I would imagine that other riders were were potentially in a similar, but like you know, everyone's races got got wiped out. Yeah. You know, for for the year. Yeah. Um, I think so. But uh, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Know, you. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, uh, do you celebrate? Like, what do you what do you do when you like you find out like oh shit I've got an offer like yeah you celebrate? okay yeah for sure well again I remember it being it was on the same day that I got two offers. There's two offers. Okay. Um, That's awesome. And so it was awesome, but yeah. it was also quite stressful. So I remember <laughs> like celebrating, but also just being like relieved that it was over, honestly, yeah. because like it was, it was really tough to make a decision mm-hmm. um, essentially. But I, I'm obviously really happy with awesome. the decision that I made. Um, yeah. And yeah. I definitely remember celebrating. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so um, you, you joined the team. Um, when do you do your first race with the team? When's your first race with me? Yeah, so the start of 21 was still very much like a a strange mm-hmm. year because right, of the yeah. pandemic mm-hmm. and with some races still getting canceled um and also the like the introduction of virtual racing mm-hmm. from 2020 yeah. was still like very much a lot of the sponsors loved that a lot mm-hmm. of there was still a lot of uh like promotion behind it. Yeah. Um, and so Tibco did a lot of virtual racing in 2020. So okay. we still had, um, some virtual races on the calendar for 2021. Were these, it was these solely on Zwift? Was or where were they? Yeah. Were they uh, yes. There's another platform that, um, is it RGT? Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah. I, uh, as soon as I didn't have those obligations anymore, I think I just put yeah. that out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, I mean, virtual racing is awesome and there are yeah. so many great things about it. It's not for me. Okay. So um, I had obligations to do that with the team because, mm-hmm. especially in the US, there still wasn't racing in the spring mm-hmm. of 2021. Um, so 
throughout that winter, I was doing virtual racing with okay. the team. So it was odd that that was like my introduction to the team. Okay. Uh, and we had like virtual team camp. Okay. Um, so we were like doing Zwift rides together and had some like Zoom calls and that was okay. how we met. Okay. Um, which looking back, like that was, that was so crazy. Like yeah. it's, that's so different um, than, you know, how it's, how it's usually done. And it was great that we were able to do right. that versus nothing, but yeah. it's not quite the same. Um, so that was the start. And then, uh, we did some gravel okay. was actually most of the in-person races that I did in the U S. Um, and I guess the calendar was just kind of pushed back. So mm-hmm. a lot of the races that typically happen in the spring either didn't happen or were in the late summer. Okay. Um, so I think, I think the only road races I did last year were Joe Martin stage race, which okay. was, um, much later in the year than usual. Mm-hmm. And then I actually got to go over to Europe for okay. my first ever European race in France in the beginning yeah. of September. Um, but pretty much the rest of my calendar was gravel, yeah. so which was also really cool. But pretty much that entire year was like not not a normal. So year. had you done gravel races before? I had not. Okay. No. Was there a learning curve? Were there things you had to like pick up in regards to like racing on gravel? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and I th- so my, my first gravel race was unbound 100 and that's okay. in, um, like late spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until a few weeks before the race that we found out we like got in to do okay. it. Um, and I think part of that was much like in 2020, it was kind of like each week, each month was kind of right. like, all so right, like what's, yeah, yeah, what, what races are going to happen? Like, you know, what's, mm-hmm. what's the calendar going to look like? Um, um, so, um, unbound. Um, and you all do as a team, right? There, yes. Uh, there were, I think four of us that went, okay. um, out of the whole squad. Yeah. Okay. So was it just like only four could go or just like only four decided to go? It was only four that were selected to go, I guess, okay. because, um, we, there was still a lot of racing happening in Europe. Okay. So, um, I guess I'll backtrack and say Tibco Silicon Valley bank is an American team. Okay. Um, but we do a ton of international racing, okay. especially this year. Um, We'll get into more of that as a world tour team. We're, we're doing a lot of European racing, but last year um, there was still most of the calendar was European road racing. Okay. And then some of the Americans that were still in the States um, would go to the gravel races. Okay. So right. because I was, you know, first year rider on the team with, with no European experience, yeah. I was, I was still in the U S and I was, yeah. I was doing the virtual racing. And then once the calendar opened up for gravel racing. I got to go and do the gravel races. Okay. Yeah. Um, had you, okay. Had you ridden on gravel before? Yes. But like, I think I got a gravel bike like two weeks before the race. Okay. Um, and so I had ridden, I had, I had ridden on gravel before, like on a road bike, which is maybe, maybe arguably better practice because you'd think it's like, much more rougher. Yeah. yeah. Much, much okay. more technically challenging. But, um, never as like a, all right, I'm like training for a race. Oh, it was more okay. just like, all right, there's this little gravel segment that like we'll go through because like, that's how we routed it, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. So you so had a gravel was, bike uh, two weeks before. Yeah. Like two. Yeah. It was, okay. it was right before. Um, so you do, yes. How'd this first gravel race go? Like how did <laughs> it was, um, I mean, I remember it being overall like a really great experience, okay. but I crashed which is, I feel like every story I'm saying I crashed. Like the first race I when did, I, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I think back on my races, I don't 
typically think I crash a lot, but evidently Apparently with all these stories, um, it seems like the first race, the, the first, first time you do a yeah, different race, like because that you, you have to ease in, ease into it and learn. And yeah, I mean, that is just, that is just a fairly big part of gravel too, because mm-hmm. you're doing these mass starts, which is mm-hmm. not just your age group, not just your gender, but it's Everything. all of the starters. Yeah. Um, so the unbound 100 mile race is not like the premier race. The 200 has even more participants, mm-hmm. but the hundred still had like, I hesitate to throw out a number, but it was like at, at least like five or 600, maybe more. Like you're starting with this massive group of people. Yeah. Of course, not all 500 are fighting for the front. Some yeah. people just want to finish and right. they're going to go their own pace from mm-hmm. the gun, but you know, a hundred to 200 people are it's going all out at the start, like yeah. trying to win. Yeah. So, uh, it's actually, now that I've gone over to Europe, I would say that the, the gravel races are excellent, like European prep practice because yeah. it is just like a fast, hectic bunch in Europe. Really? Um, it, it's the same. Okay. You're just on wider tires with some rocks flying. <laughs> well, I guess that happens in Europe too with rocks and cobblestones, but, um, Gravel races, twenty twenty one. Yep. Okay, because um, that's what we had here. What you had here in the states. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Joe Martin race. Yes. Where was that? Where, where that's was that? in um, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. What kind of race is that? It's a four day stage race. Four day stage race. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, um, I think I understand the concept of stage race. It's just different races, different routes every day, right? Yeah. For four days. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Okay. Um, so I often kind of use the um example of the tour de france because mm-hmm. a, a lot of people have heard right. of that yeah, so that one, yeah. that's a that's a grand tour that's yeah. three weeks long yeah. um but it's the same idea where every day you're you're starting a new stage a new okay. race mm-hmm. um with a start and a finish but then your time from that day um and from all the stages is added up and okay the person with the the shortest time is okay. the winner okay yeah all right um uh Route races, Joe Martin race, stage race. Yeah. Um, and then uh, how else does 2021 go? Um, so 2021 culminated with uh, getting to go over to France okay. for a stage race over there. Okay. Um, so that was for a seven-day stage race, which was the longest stage race I'd ever done um, and in Europe. Okay. So the main, the main difference between American racing and European racing is just the caliber. Okay. Um, both of, of the athletes, of the courses, like everything is is harder okay. <laughs> and more challenging. Um, everyone's faster and fitter and, and more, uh, more technically skilled. Okay. Um, so this seven day stage race was a pretty good intro race to European racing because mm-hmm. it's the end of the season. It's, um, not like the, the highest tier of racing. It's not a world tour race. Okay. Um, so it's not like the best of the best showing up. Okay. Um, but everyone is still, still, still incredibly, yeah. incredibly okay. good. Um, but that was an awesome experience. Um, and I was actually able to get second on a stage there. Nice. Okay. Um, so that was really awesome and was essentially what secured my contract for this year. Okay. Um, because going into that race in September, I didn't have a contract yet. Um, Ooh, okay. And we, at that time, knew that the team was jumping up to world tour. Okay. Um, so in women's professional cycling for UCI teams, there's two tiers at the moment. There's uh, UCI Continental and then okay. UCI World Tour. Okay. Um, so the World Tour is, of course, like the highest level, highest caliber 
um, and we made the jump this year. So last year it was TIBCO Silicon Valley Bank, and then this year um, they brought on EF Education as another title sponsor. Okay. So we're now EF Education, TIBCO SVB, Women's World Tour Team. Um, so yeah, with, with jumping up to that, that just means like kind of in increasing the bar for everything, you okay. know, like the riders, the staff, the support, all of it is okay. uh, a whole nother level. Okay. So I essentially kind of had to prove to the team that I right. could, you know, step up my game too. Yeah. So I was fortunate that they uh, brought me over to Europe to kind of get a taste and, and show that yeah. I had some potential there. Um, so that was that was pretty much the end of last year was getting to go over experience a European stage race and, okay. uh, yeah, do well enough to, to get I a contract. To get an kind of contract. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay. <laughs> you race with the team. How is this different from you just showing up and like, you know, doing a composite race or just like doing races on your own? Like yeah. how's it, how's it different being on a team this time? Yeah. I would say the main difference is, uh, with, you know, with the composite teams, you're just kind of going and doing your own thing. Okay. And that is not at all the case, um, being, being on a team, um, okay. which, which I love. So, uh, okay. I would say I'm more or less a, like a supporting rider or okay. domestique, meaning okay. that I'm, I'm not going into a race to, to try and win. I'm going in to try and help the team win. Okay. Um, so it means, you know, before, before every race, before every stage, we're going to have a team meeting and we're going to have a plan often we'll have maybe two or three plans <laughs> because okay. nothing ever goes exactly how you think yeah. it will, uh, of how we can, of how we can win the stage or win the race. Um, and every rider is going to be assigned a role of, of what they will do to help the team okay. win. Um, so you go in with much more of a plan and it's okay. always going to be a team focused plan. Okay. Um, so I definitely enjoy having that structure and kind of having a job. Okay. Um, because I'll literally say like, all right, Emma, at, you know, this kilometer or, you know, this, you know, key point in the race, like sure. we need you to do this. Okay. Um, which is still a learning curve because mm. the, the Peloton in Europe is, you know, just cause you need to be there. Like, yeah. doesn't mean the Peloton's magically going to let you do yeah. that. Like you have yeah. to fight your way up there. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely still a lot to be learned on my end of kind of like navigating the pack and, and executing my job consistently. Okay. But, um, yeah, that's a that's been a learning experience that okay. I've really enjoyed. Um, was it ever like, okay, we need to watch out for this other team or these other these other riders or things like that? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, especially in a stage race, okay. like you'll have kind of the the list of the GC riders, the general mm -hmm. classification riders okay. that are um, on the overall uh, leaderboard for the race, okay. and you're gonna. Yeah have those riders that you know you want to look out for yeah. um, make sure they don't sneak up the road for example in a breakaway and, yeah. and get a bunch of time on your gc rider okay. um but yeah so there's a lot of um identifying the other riders like learning who they are learning what their strengths and weaknesses are okay um is a big part of like the strategy side of okay. bike racing okay for sure. um so that goes into the strategy um and that's like thinking of other teams and, and what they're what they're what they may potentially do and keeping yeah. track of them okay um two questions of um so like it's race day how do you get ready for race day team race day yeah without giving me secrets anyway <laughs> sure sure um well i was i was about to say it depends on the race but that's actually not true i would okay. say it's more or less still the same um so Another uh, another big difference with being either on your own or with maybe a smaller team versus being on a world tour team yeah. is 
everything is much more organized. Okay. So we'll have the night before um, the schedule sent out of like, all right, this is the time breakfast is, you know, usually it's arranged, like you don't mm-hmm. have to show up on the dot for breakfast, but you know, this is when, this is the, the time slot that food will be available for mm-hmm. breakfast. This is the time we're leaving. This is the time we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the time sign on is, this is the time the start is like everything is outlined, which yeah. as an organized person, I love, <laughs> like, I really like having that structure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so oftentimes you'll know kind of, uh, where, like how long the transfer to the mm-hmm. race start is like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to give an example of a race day, you know, you get up, you have breakfast. Um, a lot of European races don't start until the afternoon. Okay. Um, which is nice because then you're not having to like force feed your oatmeal at 5 a.m. It means you yeah. can like try to sleep in a little, go get breakfast at like 7 or 8. Yeah. Um, and then you'll, after breakfast, load up in the team bus. Okay. Um, which is also like as a as a first year on a world tour team, like I still find it kind of cool. You know, I'm sure the pros who have been doing it for 10 years are like, yeah, whatever. It's the team bus. Like it's fine. (laughs) But for me, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Like it's a coach bus. Yeah. Um, it's decked out since, uh, we're have the title sponsor of EF and Mm -hmm. pink is their like Mm -hmm. main color. We have a bright pink bus, (laughs) so you can't miss us. Um, but yeah, you, you load up in the bus and drive to the race and Mm -hmm. then, uh, once we get to the race is usually when we sit down for the team meeting. Okay. Um, usually pretty much right when we get there, we kind of all pile in the back of the bus around the table and the computer and go over the race course. Um, mm-hmm. If it's, if it's a stage race, we'll go over like the, you know, maybe some of the GC riders or mm-hmm. that type of thing. Um, but either way, the, the meeting's always going to kind of just be an overview of the course, an overview of the, the team objectives and then each of our roles um, okay. and we can ask questions too if, if it's unclear like what we want to do or you know riders can just you know we'll either say say some words to to mm-hmm. like get each other excited yeah. or you know just kind of have a few moments together and then usually we kind of just will go off and, and do our own thing until mm-hmm. uh you know de- depending on how early we got there you'll have maybe like 30 minutes to an hour to just like get ready, okay. get, get in the zone, get your pre-race food in. Okay. Um, and then you go to sign on, which pretty much every race in Europe has where you'll go onto the stage. Yeah. Um, and the, the race promoter will present your team. Okay. Um, yeah. and you'll, you, you sign on is called that because you literally have to like sign your name that you're, you know, you're there you at the okay. race. You're ready to take the start line. Um, okay. and then you go. And then you go yeah. race. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is your breakfast before race? Do you have a preferred yeah. breakfast? Item yeah, I definitely, uh, I would say 99 out of 100 race days, I will have um, oatmeal with Greek yogurt and a banana, and sometimes okay. with some honey. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there a particular flavor of oatmeal? Is it not, not a flavor, it's just regular no, oatmeal? I actually, yeah, rice, no, yeah, I definitely, yeah. I prefer just plain, plain oats and plain Greek yogurt. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which of people either when i tell them that combo they're either like yeah of course that sounds amazing or they're like you're insane (laughs) because because i cook the oats and then you have cold greek yogurt (laughs) yeah but i'm I'm not it's good you have to try it before you can bash it i can handle oatmeal the yogurt no (laughs) not the greek yogurt yeah it would not go well um it's a polarizing uh it's a polarizing meal people love it or hate it I'm pretty close to the hated camp. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. I'm glad you have a thing that you trust <laughs> yes. in the morning. It is, and I like, yeah, it works well. <laughs> I like it. Is it is important to have a meal that you trust 
um, in the morning before doing uh, long ass rides. And it's and it's also um, accessible. Like when mm-hmm. you're in hotels or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. The, the you know the camper, like you need you need to know that you have food. So if you had some like you know eggs and sausage or yeah. something like pancakes, something that's difficult to make, if that's your pre race <laughs> meal, like you might be shit out of luck like most days. <laughs> so. At least oatmeal you can always count on, and usually yogurt, too. I don't know if I've had pancakes before a ride, and I feel like I should. Um, I, it would be good. It would be good. It's but carb loading. Right? Don't make it your pre-race ritual, because that right, might be a more bit difficult. too much work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could take a skill. You could pre-make it, I guess. You could. There's. Pan- I mean, now I'm like, can I take pancakes like a microwave? That would be the same. I feel <laughs> like I would have to make the pancakes. You'd have to make them ahead of time, yeah. You could bring a small griddle. I have you. a griddle. I just cleaned it. It's a, yeah. a small griddle. Make your pancakes. If it's a ritual, it could be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. I guess I guess you'll have to try it out. You won't know until you try. Uh, that's true. I've not had pancakes before, right? And I may have to do that just yeah. to see. Does that help or hurt? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have to do that. Either way, I'm glad you have a, <laughs> I'm glad you have a, um, a, a, a pre-ride uh, uh, breakfast thing that you, you trust. Okay. Yeah. Tried and true. Um uh how many are there mechanics on the team Mm -hmm. yeah um so i think full time um is generally two um throughout the year we've certainly had more than that um but at especially the bigger races there's always going to be two mechanics at the race okay um so only one of them will go in the team car so there's always going to be a follow car in the race okay so your director's in the car and the mechanics in the car um maybe one other person depending sure. on depending on who's there um but yeah so their job is like in the race if you have a flat tire or need something they're there to jump out and help you mm-hmm. um but then there's two of them to be like getting the bikes all squared away um before and after like there's so much work they have to do yeah. they're they're amazing and i do not envy their job because it's it's a lot mm-hmm. um are you like how are they communicating with you like when you're in the race you have like a headset on or something like that or like or is you just like y'all just know the plan like the director's not giving y'all any new tips or anything like yeah that's a great question so it depends on the race actually because there are rules for uh like different tiers of races where sometimes race radios are allowed and sometimes they're not okay so whenever they're allowed um for the most part, we'll have them. Okay. Um, so that's just like a little radio that you put in your back pocket and okay. then a small earpiece that you'll fasten in usually with a bit of tape so it doesn't fly out yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you're speeding along. Um, so we use that and it's it's a two-way radio. So okay. our director can be giving us information. Um, so it's great from even just a safety standpoint, they yeah. can say like, hey, in a half mile, like the road narrows. So mm-hmm. like try and get to the front or like yeah. be ready for a really sharp right-hand turn, like stuff like that okay. they can be nice. telling us um, as well as, you know, if a rider goes up the road, they can say it's this rider. So yeah. uh, you can aware. Get, yeah. get some more intel um, and we can speak into it as well, either okay. to ask the director, ask each other, um, speak into it to okay. communicate. Um, but not every race right. um, allows that. Okay. And it's actually, it's, I think, I don't know where I fall. There's actually a lot of debate of like, should race radios be allowed? Like, is it, does it detract from the racing? Because it like either makes it easier. Like the riders don't have to think as much. Um, There's a lot of different arguments. And then there's, you know, people say, well, it's safety. And, you know, even with radios, you do still have to be relying on race instinct a lot. Because by the time you speak into the radio and like, half the time you can't hear it anyway. And like all that, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but, um, 
it is it is nice like especially when you don't have a radio yeah. um it really forces you to like ride with your teammates and like you've the only way you can talk to each other right. is if you're physically right. like riding together yeah. um and it just kind of is a good uh, a good communication exercise okay. <laughs> um especially when you don't have radios but yeah it, it depends okay um is a thing of thing of, this is not quite the same thing but do you feel like so you're riding with the peloton right you're riding with the other racers i don't say do they feel nice that's not the question i'm trying to ask but like do you feel like they don't like i don't know how to ask this question i'm just like how does it feel to ride with a peloton do you feel like everyone's doing this they're loving this and you know they're happy i'm there like i don't i don't know so yeah how do you feel riding with a peloton does it feel like all these people don't like you and they're just trying to crush the shit out of you <laughs> or like they're just trying to race and do their best like does that make sense yeah yeah i'm smiling because that's a really good question um I think that's actually one of the big differences between U.S. and European racing. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, there's there's a few differences. First of all, the field sizes are way bigger okay. in Europe. Um, so I would say, like, for a lot of the, the road races here in the U.S., there's, like, 60 to 70 average, whereas, mm -hmm. like, in Europe, it's, like, 100, 120, 150, like right. the, all the fields are big. If it's okay. under 100, you're like, oh yes, small field. Okay. <laughs> Whereas in the US, if you have 100, it's like, wow, this is record breaking. Yeah. Um, so there's so there's more riders that you're riding along with. Um, and as I said, everyone in Europe is just like that much higher, like skills mm -hmm. and fitness wise. So um, kind of being in the front or like being where you want to be in the pack is yeah. a lot more challenging, at okay. least for someone like myself, who's okay. essentially just getting started sure. racing in Europe. Mm -hmm. It's for sure a learning curve. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say everyone is like, Oh, we hate you, but it's like you, you have to fight for your spot. Yeah. There's no like, Oh, like this is so fun. We're so happy. We're yeah. all up here. It's yeah. like, it's, it's full on. Like you're, you're fighting every second to, okay. to be up there. Um, okay. Uh, and I, I, I have like minimal racing experience. Yeah. Well, that's why I think like it's a, it's a yeah. great question. Yeah. It's for sure a great question. It's, um, it's very different from, I'm not sure what to equate it to like yeah. a group ride, even in gravel, like the people at the front are, are fighting super hard, but yeah. generally a lot of the time it's like a good portion of the, of the racers are just mm -hmm. out there for a good time wanting to finish. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas that is not the case in a, in a European Peloton road race. Okay. <laughs> A um, bit more cutthroat. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so yeah, feel of being in the peloton and the people you're racing with. Um, we talked about your your headsets, communicating those mechanics. Yeah. Um, so uh, 2022, you're racing. How does how does how does your race season go? 2022. Yeah. So this year was still another like big learning year for me. Last year, 2021, first year on the team. Uh, this year, first year as a world tour team, meaning, uh, primarily in Europe. Mm -hmm. So that was just a, a huge, huge learning curve for sure. Okay. Um, so we started in February, we had team camp in Spain, um, which even that was a totally new experience for me because yeah. in 2021 it was virtual. Um, right. so just totally different, like really awesome, but, it, but it's a lot mentally yeah. and physically yeah. to go and, and you're with everyone for two weeks straight. There's a lot of sponsor obligations, okay. um, plus a lot of really hard riding, okay. getting to know everyone. Um, so it's super fun, but really demanding. Okay. Um, so that kicked off the year. Um, and it, it kicked off my first European block. So okay. 
yeah, February to mid April, I mm-hmm. was over in Europe, um, which was the longest I'd longest I'd been away yeah. <laughs> for for a trip like that, two yeah. and a half months. Um, and yeah, first first time doing any of the European classics. So those are one day races in the spring. Um, most of them are in Belgium. Okay. Um, some of them are in France or the Netherlands, but um, they're they're they are very iconic and okay. they're they are that because they're just like insanely challenging. <laughs> um, Does that include Tour France Flanders? Uh huh. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the big ones, and um, a lot of those races are um, they're World Tour races, so they're just like the absolute highest Super caliber, elite. like okay. best of the best are showing up okay there's no messing around (laughs) and uh so as you'll recall i'd only done one other european race before this spring and that was the stage race in france at the end of last year um so again i had european race experience but that kind of stage race is very different than the spring classics okay um so Looking back, it's like still really surreal that I can say that I raced the Tour of Flanders. I yeah. raced Perry Roubaix, which yeah. is uh, this year um, was the second ever edition of that uh, race as a women's race. Mm-hmm. So Perry Roubaix is a is a historic race, but mm-hmm. it's uh, didn't have a women's edition until last year. Yeah, um, and so, that's the one that's like all cobbled. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, okay. yeah, exactly. It. Uh, I, I don't know the stats of whether it's like the most cobbled sectors, but it's it's infamous because the cobbles are insane. Like yeah. they are so rough um, yeah. and and re- so challenging. Uh, so yeah, it's just like absolutely insane. Uh, for that race, were you just still on your road bike? Yeah, so okay. on a road bike, I think the only equipment change we made was we were on slightly wider tires. Even okay. then, they weren't crazy. I think we were running thirty millimeter tires. Okay. Usually, we race twenty eights. Okay. So nothing too crazy, but um, it, it's definitely like you're trying to hone in your tire pressure. Like mm-hmm. there's a technique to riding cobbles like that. So a yeah. lot of practice of like how to hold the handlebars and like yeah. how to apply pressure and keep your cadence up and all of that. Um, so that was even just that was like a really surreal experience of yeah. like reconning the cobbles, yeah. um, and it's just it's just crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how hard they are, um, and it's it's also crazy to it's, to you know I watched that race on TV for years yeah. and then knowing you that did, I was gonna, gonna race. It, yeah. um, um, did you watch many races? So once you became you were doing your composite races and you have become a pro, do you? What's your watching others race experience like? Do you do you even watch others race kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, so I do a lot of um, like watching the races on TV to okay. analyze um, analyze the other racers. I, I don't watch myself race. Like I won't go back and watch those. Okay. I, there are some riders that do that to just kind of pick apart like Where, strategically what, what they could have changed. Um, I don't I don't like doing that, but um, I watch both as a fan of the sport, but also to learn. Like okay. I definitely am taking notes when I'm watching of okay. like why a certain rider does a certain thing or just kind of seeing how they move in the group. Okay. Um, and it is, I definitely have a new appreciation for that too. Now that I have actually been in that yeah, Peloton yeah. and yeah. like, I can actually, like. yeah, I can know what it's like and see how they're doing it and why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I do, I do watch as much as I can. Do you enjoy it or is it like stressful? No, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I watch as a fan, okay. I would say first, firstly, okay. um, because I enjoy it. But then okay. I also try to um, study it as well. Okay. Study film. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was wondering if you 
were able to, because I've, I've heard of cases where people compete in a sport and like, but they can't watch it. They can't watch right. it themselves or even like they can compete it, but they can't <laughs> watch others doing it. So yeah. um, I'm glad you'd still take lessons from yeah. watching other yeah. the, the races. Absolutely. Um, uh, so Paris-Roubaix, um, what's the, what's, what's after Paris-Roubaix? Yeah. So that was, I think, uh, Paris-Roubaix would have been my last race in the spring, okay. um, after doing several other, uh, yeah, like one day classics, mm-hmm. um, and came home and I remember being quite relieved <laughs> to be home just yeah. for a little bit, because again, that had been the longest I'd been away, yeah. first of all, um, it's just it's a learning experience in all aspects of it. You're yeah. you're learning the ins and outs of the European Peloton. You're learning what it's like to be on the road for yeah. that long um, and being away from home. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it was just I I got my teeth knocked in for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. all of every I remember every single one of those races finishing and just being like, man, like that that was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I learned a ton, but I, and not that I expected to have any, anything results wise to show for it, but it mm-hmm. was like, you know, I had plenty of DNFs, like okay. plenty of like finishing way far down just okay. because, you know, and I never had the job to be finishing well. I always okay. had other jobs to just try and help our, our other A riders. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was pretty, I'm not sure the best adjective. It was like, it was rough. It was yeah. awesome, <laughs> but rough at the okay. same time. Um, uh, how long were these races? How long are these European races? Um, most of them, I would say, are anywhere between like 120 to 160 kilometers. Okay. So that's sounds so <laughs> pretentious right, to use kilometers. <laughs> 160K is 100 miles. Okay. Um, so that was like Flanders is 100. Okay. I think Paris-Roubaix is a little shorter than that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you're talking like three is the shortest, three hours okay. up to like five okay five five and a half depending on you know the distance the terrain um so it depends how fast you go but um i wanted to ask about the distance okay um when you were back in uh let's go how far are we going to go back here uh college you're doing triathlons mm-hmm. uh you transition into road races and those are like 20 miles yeah well yeah so like the 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 more uh, novice level road races here are like 20 but yeah. i think probably on average they'd be like 60 to 70 so it's not too too much shorter um i think the distance wasn't so much a big change it's more just the speed so like maybe you're going further but you're also going a lot faster (laughs) so so the time like the duration of the race generally speaking is not a ton longer okay um but it is like really really um mentally fatiguing like it takes a ton of focus yeah (laughs) the entire race not not that american racing doesn't but again if everything is just much more intense elevated yeah yeah, much more intense Um, okay um yeah i want to make sure we we talked about the the distances for these races i knew some of them could be 80 90 100 plus miles kind of thing um all right so you're doing a stage race and you're pro um what's the recovery like because like you know i imagine like clue is a lay person right doing a long ride like I can ride the next day, but clearly not at the same <laughs> yeah. ability. So like, what's the, re- what's the recovery process to like be able to do a race and then turn around and do another race and then another race? Like, yeah. So we're pretty lucky that, um, on the team we have Swan years. Okay. Um, so there are like helpers on the team that as soon as we cross the finish line, they have water for us, a Coke, a recovery shake. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you can have all of them. You can choose, you know? Yeah. Um, but for me, the key is the recovery shake. Okay. Um, and it's 
really a game changer when someone already has that like made for you. Like, yeah. You don't have to worry about like finishing and then like stumbling your way to the car, you know, and you're like half aware of what's going on because you raced your bike so hard and then like figuring out like, oh, where'd I put my recovery shake? Oh shoot, I forgot it. Like there's none of that. You have someone Just handing you your recovery you. shake, which is like really a game changer. Nice. Um, yeah. So I would say that's where it starts. Like you finish and you can get replenishment right away. Yeah. Um, and then they'll also have pre-race food made for us. Okay. So that's another, um, really big benefit to the team bus. Okay. It has a little kitchen in it. So they'll like have oh, our nice. little Tupperwares, um, where we can get food in right away as well. Okay. Um, oftentimes there'll be a transfer from the end of the race to the, to the hotel or wherever we're going next. Okay. So, you know, rather than having to worry about any of that we can just sit and relax and get our food um and recovery okay. shake so that that's the first few things and then once we get back to the hotel um we'll have massage okay so i think for a lot of people it could be maybe a bit more of like a mental boost that you get from that but okay. it's still just a nice like leg flush it's nothing right. it's nothing crazy but it's yeah. you have you know 30 minutes to lay on the table and you right. know get a little post-race massage okay. um and relax and then dinner early to bed and then you nice. do it all again the next day go back the next day okay <laughs> do you feel like the next day do you generally feel like i'm back at 100 percent? no okay no definitely not um and so a, a lot of uh like the stage race training and being able to recover actually comes not from what you do right after each stage, but your training leading up to it as Ooh, well. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so James, my coach and I work a lot on like being able to do a couple of hard days in okay. a row. Um, of course, all those recovery things I listed after the race make a huge difference too. If you sure. didn't do those each day, you'd also feel far lower than 100%, okay. but it's a combination of that and doing the doing the prep and training okay. to like get get your body ready for that and being able to do those hard days Multiple day days after day torture. yeah yeah okay. <laughs> yep yeah I, I wondered like what is that like like the you do a hard ride and then like how to be ready for the next day to do another hard ride and yeah so yeah um i'm glad that there's a plan yes for, for that after. yeah very much so um, what is the recovery shake do you recall is it like uh medicine? yeah so we have uh our nutrition sponsor is called mm -hmm. never second okay. and they have a uh we that's have fine. we have never second uh, protein shake that okay. we'll have after the races. That's fine. Yeah, that, yeah you don't have to like give the flavor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I do like to ask people like what's their their flavor choice, but I just, yeah. I don't know enough about this brand uh, yeah. to ask. So yeah, never well, second. I can't I can't say shake. that I you know like something else. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> fine. Not to. That's fine. Um, uh, anyway, um, so recovery shake to help massage. Um, yeah. uh, pre race. Post race food, post race food. Yeah, we'll have we'll have food like prepared, like because the recovery shake is great, but then you also want right, you need food. like yeah, yeah need actual yeah. substance. Yeah. Okay, um, what do you want after a race? It depends. Okay. Um, a lot of the times, honestly, like I struggle with the post race food for a few hours because okay. like you've just shoved like gels and like yeah you know, like sports drink for a couple hours. So it's yeah. like, sometimes I like need a minute. Yeah. Um, but anything salty, like okay. even though our, our race drink is going to have electrolytes and all that, like I'm still, at least for me, I'm usually craving salt versus like sweet or anything like that. So. All right. So I'll phrase that question differently. Okay. Say there's not a race the next day. Ooh. Right. What's the thing that you want to eat? You've done this hard ass race. There's no race the next day. Yeah. It's like, what's the thing? What do you, what would you like to have? Yeah. It, 
It does depend, but I think most of the time, pizza. Really? I really have a soft spot for pizza. Okay. Is there a particular topping on this pizza? Uh, no. Veggies? I know that sounds lame, but like, (laughs) not plain cheese. Plain cheese is the most lame. I really like like veggies, maybe like, I mean, I am a fan of like Hawaiian. Okay. I think think pineapple and ham is acceptable. Some people don't. Yeah, to each their own. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, or like I'm, veggies and sausage or something. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the 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 love of pizza. It's from the the sauce and the bread. Like it's just yeah. like it's like it's an yeah. excuse to get the sauce and the bread. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, okay. Yeah, I was making sure there was something somewhere that you were like <laughs> craving after. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Uh. So um. Uh. We're mid 2020 somewhere here with our racing history. Um. And so. Uh, we already talked Paris for Bay. What mm-hmm. happens summer? Yeah, so I so I came home right. um, in the middle of the spring, which was awesome. I was really happy to be back right. for a little bit after yeah. being away for so long. Um, and we had a little block of American racing. Okay. So we did um, Tour of the Gila, which is also a UCI stage race okay. out in New Mexico. Okay. Uh, that was the first race. I think it was like the week after I got back. So it was like, woohoo, I'm home. All right, yeah, on the road race. again. Yeah. Like it was still, it was still pretty nonstop for a lot of the chunk that I was home. But okay. Um, the nice thing was that it was races, I think all the races I had done before. So I'd, I'd raced tour of the Gila in 2019. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was just nice to be going back to races that were familiar after okay. spending a spring of like so much new unknown yeah. mm-hmm. things. It was like really fun yeah. to go back, um, and do these races that I knew, it's still really hard racing. Like yeah. I don't mean in any way that it's, it's easy, but yeah. it's, um, it's it's different some, some like familiarity. You, yeah some familiarity um definitely just more like comfort and confidence in the okay. pack um okay. because it's not quite so insane okay. <laughs> like um, because it's not 150 women fields like i think Hila had 50 okay so it's like at that point that feels like a very small group when you're used to racing with 120 other girls um uh still a, a team race though yes okay. yeah um so i think every race i did this year was still a, a team race okay. so we went to tour of the gila um and then joe martin stage race mm-hmm. which was a race in um arkansas so that was also a uci stage race mm-hmm. um i had a couple of sponsor events too that i went to that was really fun and that was actually also a new experience okay because in 2021 again with a pandemic we didn't we didn't have that so Sponsor events like you win spoke somewhere for them, um, like so one of them like one of them races? was a charity ride. Okay. One of them was called the Best Buddies Challenge. Okay. Um so I got to go up to Boston and do a one hundred mile ride out there, which was super fun. Um I went out to Colorado for a like launch of a tire for Vittoria. So that okay. was really fun. Okay. Um yeah, just a bunch of like new experiences in that way. And those were um just like a weekend away. Okay. So it was pretty nice that, you know, you go for the weekend, but then still get to come home. It's not okay. like on the road for a prolonged time. Um, when you went to Colorado, did you think about the life that you might have missed out on? <laughs> I, oh, yeah. So every now and then I do. I've gone out to Colorado a few times and every time I go, I do really love it. I think yeah. it's a really cool spot, mm-hmm. but I also really love Richmond. Okay. So it's, okay. uh, yeah, it, I go out there and I enjoy it, but then I'm still always really happy to come back here. Okay. So. Well, good. I'm yeah. glad you don't hate the city. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Not at all. Um, no, I love okay. it here. Um, um, 
Yeah, so I'm trying to think. So there was there was Tour of the Gila, Joe Martin, Nationals. Okay. Um, and sponsor events. That might have been all of the road racing I did here. Okay. Um, but but that was just <laughs> that was a really nice block of time. Really, okay. again for the reasons I mentioned with the racing being a bit more familiar. Um, and then like on a personal level, results wise, mm-hmm. I did pretty well. So okay. that, that's always fun too. Correct. You know, yeah. you work, you work really hard. Um, and it's, it's nice when the team does well, it's nice mm-hmm. when you do your job, but it's also, it's also really cool when you get to be the one on the podium. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty special too, um, to, to kind of get some results as well. Oh, good. Um, how often, like, I guess you, I mean, cause your team's, your team's racing. So like they also can place on, you know, get mm-hmm. for them. How often were your like your whole team was like on the podium? Did you ever a case where like your whole team placed on the podium, or like more than one of your team kind of thing? So, yeah, we definitely would have had like especially in the American races mm-hmm. and some of the stages like definitely a lot of us placing placing okay. really high up. Okay. Uh, like at nationals, for example, mm-hmm. um, I won, and then my teammate Lauren got third. I think that was like the most special shared yeah. podium. Um, she was the national champion last year too, okay. so it was just like oh. really cool that it was kind of like passed off to me. Yeah. But then she was still <laughs> on the podium like that. Yeah. It was just it was really cool. So okay. she's a she's very much a mentor to me and just a really good friend. And it was yeah, that was like a super cool shared podium. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Uh, so this is like a spring summer block mm-hmm. here. Yeah. You're, so you're, nationals you're... was end of June. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so where to, you clearly traveled some more. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. what happened after June? Yeah. So after nationals, I didn't actually know until like middle of July okay. what the rest of my season was going to look like. Okay. Um, part of that was because, um, so this year it was the first ever, um, women's tour de France. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's actually incorrect. It's the the first multi-day women's tour de france since like 30 years like yeah since 30 years or so um so the first in quite some time uh the first in recent history um it's been it's been a one-day race for Mm -hmm. a while Mm -hmm. um but yeah compared to the men's three weeks of racing that's like yeah you know been been pretty lame so uh this year they finally had like a multi-day like big stage race Mm -hmm. Um, which my team went to um, okay. and did really, really well. And there was just a ton of hype around that. Um, yeah. But very much that's like where all the resources went to yeah. as well. Like everyone was very focused yeah. on that. Um, so it, it was super cool to get to watch it. Yeah. But it also meant I was like, well, what am I like? What am I doing next? I don't really know. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until I think middle of July that I kind of got a bit of an outline um, of the rest of my season. And it was that I'd be going back over to Europe. Okay. Um, so that would have been the end of July. I flew over. Um, yeah. And then my first race for that block was, I think, the very beginning of August. was a three-day stage race on France. Okay. Um, and that race um, I really loved because it was, it was my first race in my national jersey. So mm-hmm. that was very memorable. Um, and I was also just really proud of the role I played in um, my teammate Krista's win. So okay. she won over all that race. Um, nice. And it, it felt really cool that I, I felt like I really contributed, awesome. you know, in the, in the spring in Europe was a lot of like, just kind of trying to find my way, like do what I could when I could, but that didn't end up being all that much because I was just struggling, like yeah. even just making it to the front of the pack. Yeah. Um, whereas I felt like in that race, it was, uh, 
um, like a very mountainous, um, mm-hmm. climby race. So okay. that's definitely much more where I excel versus mm-hmm. the spring classics for now. Yeah. Um, so that felt pretty special to be in the kit, the, the national team kit and to be able to like really play a role in my teammates win was okay. definitely memorable. Uh, and then from there I did several other one day races, um, as well as that same, uh, stage race in France at the beginning of September. Um, and then to continue the list, yeah. I uh, then went to Australia after that for the world championships. Okay. So I did a bunch of racing in August and September and then flew down to Australia for uh, the world championships at the end of September. Okay. Um, and that was my last race. I was okay. actually meant to do a bit of racing after that back in Europe, but unfortunately I got sick. So it was, okay. yeah. Um What's the what's the race called in Australia? Is it just World Championships? Yeah, yeah, it's called like the um, Elite Road World Championships. Okay. Yeah, they have they have several different events. So they have the time trial, they have the team time trial, and the road race. So I just competed in the road race. Okay. Have you done team time trial? Uh, well, so the race in uh, the first race in August um, mm-hmm. had a team time trial actually, okay. which was the first one I'd ever done. Okay. Um, but first and only, I guess, since <laughs> we didn't do the team. We okay. didn't do the world's team time trial. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so Australia, last races, last races there. And yeah. then you, you came back home. Yeah. Okay. Happy to be back home. Yes. Okay. Very happy to be back. Um, awesome. <laughs> um, so it's been road biking. It's been gravel biking. Um, have you been on the triathlon bike, the, the TT bike at all? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I, so I have been on the TT bike. Uh, this year because so some of the stage races have a an individual time trial okay um the Gila for example mm-hmm. um that's one of the stages is, yeah. is a is a time trial and then um I competed in the time trial at nationals as well okay um so I actually I put in a lot of time on the TT bike in June leading up to that okay um because I was I was actually targeting that race a bit more so because okay. it's in the individual time trial you mm-hmm. get to kind of execute how you want to <laughs> like okay. it's an individual race whereas yeah. the road race you know you're still going all in as a team yeah um and i was definitely prepared and happy to do whatever the team wanted me to for any of us to win okay. um so that was pretty cool that it ended up being me that that, that won but anyway I, I put a lot of work on a tt bike in june for the uh nationals time trial but since then i haven't been on the tt bike too much okay <laughs> Use to prepare to prepare for the race. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where to go from here? Um, because you're back. Um, do you know what's next? So no, I you don't. don't. Uh, okay. Actually, no, that's not true. So we have a. Um, I'll be I'll be riding for EF Education Tipco SVB again next year. Okay. Awesome. Um, and thank you. And we have our uh, first team camp in December. Okay. Um, so first week of December, I'll go out to California okay. to meet the 2023 team okay. and. Uh, it's mostly going to be like sponsor, um, sponsor obligations. Okay. I don't actually, I don't know the itinerary, okay. but, okay. um, that'll be, it's, it's still just fun to like meet everyone and okay. like get to, we, we actually have only a few new riders. Okay. Um, so I do, I pretty much know everyone already, but it's still just fun to all get together right, again. To be together. Um, yeah. how many people on the team? Uh, to be on the team? so this year we had 14, and I would say wait, it's... Wait, 14? 14. One four, okay. Yeah, one four. Yeah. Cool. And uh, I don't actually know the hard number for next year, but it'll be about the same. Maybe okay. 15. Um, how many are fielded each race? Um, six to seven. Six to seven. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, 14 riders on the roster is kind of small, but also quite typical for a women's team. Okay. Um, if anyone were to ask my opinion, I think we need more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a lot of that is like obviously money because you have to pay each of the riders, mm-hmm. and then also like just finding that many riders is yeah. could be a bit harder than it sounds. Like okay. riders of world tour caliber. So. And I guess the riders picked for each race is just like. It's not just like, oh, because you're all pros. You're all there for that. So it's like, who's best suited for this race? And yeah. And who gets selected for them? Exactly. I mean, there's there's actually quite a lot that like goes okay. into that. Sure. Um, Without revealing any team secrets, of course. But, yeah, yeah. But it's, um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess one common thing that people maybe don't realize at first is I don't get to pick okay. what races I do. I could say like... I'd love to do this race (laughs) or, you know, maybe, maybe like put forward a case of like why I want to do this race and like they should consider me for it. Um, that's generally not my personality though, especially as like still kind of a rookie rider. Like I'm just stoked to go to any of the races. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, it's, you're informed of what races you're doing versus like you, you know, saying, Oh, I want to do this one and this one and this one, and that'll be my calendar. You you don't get to pick. (laughs) Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you might get, called up kind of last minute if someone's sick or mm-hmm. someone's injured um sometimes it's just based on logistics of like who is where if we have these two races back to back kind of makes sense to just like keep the team on the road and go and do that race okay. um, or the opposite like if they're really far apart and like let people go home and rest and then bring in kind of another set so a lot a lot of logistical pieces that go into it for sure okay. um, as well as like performance strategizing sure. <laughs> of where to put everyone um okay yeah because i was trying to figure out like one for some reason i thought the team was smaller like from like mm-hmm. seven or eight people but like 14 that's a that's yeah, a, that's a yeah. lot but each race is only gonna have six or right, seven six or seven yeah the, in the race yeah. yeah um uh okay um oh man like there's questions you've already talked about it, how the pandemic impacted mm-hmm. um changing subjects not really changing subject what's your earliest memory of riding a bike oh um that you can recall clearly yeah yeah Yeah, i think i think it would be actually like when i learned to ride without training wheels yeah i remember that day vividly unfortunately i don't remember how old i was i guess i could think back um it would have been uh in the states yeah but yeah, I don't remember how old I was, but I, I don't you remember riding without the training. Yeah, the like I remember time. it was a, you know, like it took a day or two. Like it was a, I did it with my dad, and it was mm-hmm. like, all right, like I'm gonna learn to ride without. Um, yeah. And like I remember, I remember that day. So okay. I think I think that has to be my earliest memory of riding. That's up there. That's what's way back there. It's way back there. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, that's good. Um, yeah. Uh, who did your dad taught you how to ride a bike then? I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Um, have you convinced anyone to ride? Have you like gotten someone into the sport? Oh. Yeah. I want to say yes, just because like <laughs> that would be great to say, but truthfully, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I like I've definitely made a lot of friends through riding, but sure. I don't think I was ever like. The, one the got catalyst for someone yeah, being okay. like, oh, you should ride. As far as you know. Like, <laughs> as far as I know. Yeah. Anyone, um, if, if I, you know, was the reason you rode, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I I like to ask that because there's there are some people who like oh yeah I convinced my friend to ride and that kind yeah. of thing yeah um, which is great because you know more people riding is, is great exactly um, why do you keep racing I think like to give a really simple answer because I love it okay um but I I feel the need to elaborate on that and I think a lot of uh, like bike racing is hard <laughs> the the training, the traveling to all the racing, like all of it is, is a lot. Yeah. And I think if you don't love it, it's not sustainable. Yeah. So I love both racing and training. And I think I, you need passion for both of those. Like you can't, you can't be logging all those miles and intervals and all of that. Like mm-hmm. if you didn't love that. Yeah. Um, but then same goes for like showing up to the races and like being on the road for so much of the year, like you have to love it or else, or else you can't keep doing it. <laughs> I would imagine. I would imagine you'd also, yeah, like you said, it's not just loving the races, but like the training as well. Because yeah. there's, I'm assuming there's a lot of training that goes yeah, in. You're not just sure. top level all the time. Um, uh, that's let's see. Wait, um, are there any races you'd like to do? Are there any races that you know of that you haven't been to that you you really would like to attend? Yeah, I would really love to race the Women's Tour de France. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, how many of your teammates actually raced? Uh, I, I don't recall if the roster for that is six or seven. Okay. I think six. Okay. Yeah. And so since this year was the first year, six of them went. Okay. Yeah. And it's, and is it like, it's, it's a stage race, huge mm-hmm. stage race. Mm-hmm. Is it the same six or the, like we pick yeah. six and those six have to be in all the race in all the stages? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They can't rotate them out. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that would strategy. be kind of a cool concept, but no, you can't do that because, right. because you'll have the. Like the GC rider. Right. Like, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, the yeah. score's got to stay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I guess you'd have to be like rotating your domestics. Yeah, exactly. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Um, your first, well, no, you've been doing triathlons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really ask a question about your first kit. That's a question. I, I my first ask. kit? Yeah, your first oh, kit. Oh, yeah. You? Well, I guess my first cycling kit was my William & Mary, like college kit. Yeah. You still have it? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I won't ask you your favorite kit because I would hope it's your team kit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At this yeah, point. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if you ask this question like all the years to come, I think the answer will still be this year's kit because it's my my national champion kit, which is okay. pretty cool. Nice. Um, do you have a like a, a an accomplishment, a race, or something that stands out? I think this year there are a couple that okay. I, I mean, I guess in a few years, who knows, my answer might change, but sure, there were, fine. there were races that I, I very much think in like years to come, I will remember um, okay. one, one of those is nationals because sure. that was just like a really, yeah. a really cool special race. Um, but then also the, the race in the beginning of August that I talked about the mm-hmm. three day stage race, um, mm-hmm. it was called tour the Pyrenees. I don't think I mentioned that, but, um, yeah, that was the race. It was my my first race in my in my national champion kit mm-hmm. but then also the first race that i like really felt like i played a solid role in my teammates win okay um and that was just like something i'd been working towards and wanting to be able to do all yeah. year but like hadn't you know hadn't quite refined my skills like wasn't wasn't there yet and that was like very much a breakthrough race in that regard nice um are there other side passion projects you have Oh, <laughs> crash right into it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing I do, obviously, um, 
my my main job is is professional bike racing and a lot mm-hmm. of training goes into that and a lot of different sorts of uh, prep work but mm-hmm. i also actually started my own coaching business during okay. the pandemic okay um so started in 2020 and still going strong um with my own coaching business okay. um it's called blue ridge coaching co okay um so gotta give a little promo to that um but yeah it actually is pretty nice that i i do have this uh i get i'll call it a side project but it's very much like i I enjoy doing it and it takes up a decent amount of time, but it's, it's nice to have another outlet for like my, my -hmm. energy and focus. Obviously like a lot needs to go into, to bike racing and I love that, but it is nice to be able to like channel it in other ways too. Still in like the cycling world, Mm -hmm. but like a different, very different take on it of like, I'm getting to be helping other athletes versus like focusing on myself and my training training. and my racing and all that. Um, uh, the bikes you use in your races, right? Are those like, do the team provide these bikes? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we have, um, we have team race bikes that stay with the team year round. Okay. We'll also have spare race bikes that okay. stay with the team year round. And then we have our home training bikes, okay. which is, it's the same exact model okay. um, of bicycle, but like this year, for example, it's a different paint job. Like okay. our race bikes look different than our training bikes. Okay. Um, that's a little bit more to do with like, inventory (laughs) because the pandemic is still affecting that um yeah yeah, the supply chain but it's the it's the same bike more or less okay Um, but it's it it's just pretty nice because it means that we get to keep our training bike at home yeah and you just travel to the race and then your race bike is there so you don't have to worry about traveling with your bike most of the time sometimes we do have to bring our bikes like in the u.s races if it's you know depending on the like logistics of all of it but um do you get any say in like how your bike is set up at all? Like yeah, like, um, in the sense that like the the measurements we very much get a say in, sure. like tire pressure we get a say in. Okay. Um, sometimes if the equipment sponsor has multiple models of something, we'll get a say. Like okay. if the, there's two types of handlebars, for example, Ooh, like okay. we can maybe choose. Okay. Um, our race wheels were all on the same for the road, but like for time trial, for example, you mm-hmm. might have like different um, depth like wheel, the wheel okay uh, yeah. so you can you can choose um most of the time like, okay depending on what we have so yeah i would say we we do get a say uh to a certain extent okay <laughs> but um, a lot of the time it's kind of already pre-decided just because like yeah, you know we have supply. sponsors yeah. and yeah. yeah um okay um are the bikes all the same color yes okay. yeah what's it although um i guess I, I guess this isn't going to be a surprise. Well, no one has actually seen it yet, but I'm going to get a national champion custom painted bike. Nice. Which is like, I'm just, I'm giddy thinking about it. Cause that's just, that's just so special. Nice. Um, I have seen the, I've seen the frame and the paint okay. job is amazing. So y'all will just have to stay tuned. I'll, you know, post a picture when I get awesome. it. I don't nice. know when that will be. Um, but yeah, otherwise the bikes are, yeah, the bikes are all the same. Okay. Um, okay. Um, yeah, because I was worried. I was curious about the, the equipment yeah. that you were getting for the bikes and everything. Helmets? Mm-hmm. Are they, they give you helmets. Yep. Do you get any say about the, It's pink? It's a pink helmet? It's pink. Okay. Yeah. No, we don't get any say. Okay. <laughs> um, and, of course, the kids, you're wearing team kids. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, we've covered a lot here. But um, what's something, if you could meet Emma doing triathlons, like if you go back in time, and like what's something you would want to have told yourself like what's something you'd want to share to help prepare yourself like 
I mean, I think the biggest thing that like I'll tell other, um, like aspiring pros or just like other athletes who are like wanting to achieve a certain goal, Mm -hmm. um, is that like, don't, don't be afraid to dream big. That sounds so cliche, but like, I really mean like, um, I don't remember exactly when I was like, all right, I want to be a pro. Um, but I do remember that it wasn't like I hadn't already achieved these great results and, and it was like a potential path. It was before that. Okay. So it was kind of like, you know, I don't know if I have what it takes yet. Like I haven't really, really shown it, but like, I know it's what I want and I know that it's like what I want to aspire to do. Um, and it feels a little bit crazy, but like, I, I want to, I want to go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess, I guess what I would tell myself is just that like, it's okay to have big goals like that. Like, don't be, I don't know. Don't, don't be scared of it. Don't like shy away from it. Mm -hmm. Just own it and go for it. It worked out. Yeah. It it did work out. It worked out. It did work out. Um, okay. Awesome. Um, well, uh, Emma, I'd like to thank you for sharing your story and, and making time and that's your schedule super busy to come out and talk of course um, so yeah I, I appreciate you coming out on the show and sharing your stories it's been awesome thank you thank you so much for having me oh.